And so many mystics have said the same, that, you know, Christ is to be born in us and through us, part of that incarnation of the Christ. I, I, again, there would be some Christians who might struggle with that idea, but it's, it's true. Jesus said, greater things than these you will do in my name. And we only do them because of the presence of the Christ in us. So, you know, that, that idea that Christ can be born through us, yeah, that, that's, that's what, I mean, that's the story of Mary summed up. Mark Gladman is a Benedictine monk teaching and practicing ancient forms of Christian meditation, contemplation, mindfulness, and prayer for personal and community transformation. He's a teacher on Insight Timer, as well as a host on the podcast, The Work of God, which is a podcast centered around praying the daily office. A spiritual wanderer and wanderer, his work helps people deconstruct and reconstruct God, faith, life, and reality, while nurturing community through theopraxy and justice through restoration. Mark Gladman, welcome to Methods. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So I saw you, uh, you made a post about a um, rosary practice that you were leading on Insight Timer. So th- that intrigued me because not many people on Insight Timer do that. There's not many Christian, you know, traditional Christian people on Insight Timer to begin with, but let yep. alone doing the rosary or any kind of like Lectio uh, stuff. So, so what, what sparked that? Yeah, okay. Uh, with my personal practice, um, it would have been just before I became a monk that I had picked up the practice of praying the Jesus prayer using um, the chotki or the prayer rope. And um, uh, I got interested in that because I'd read um, the, uh, what was it called again? Um, the Way of the Pilgrim, that's right. Mm. Uh, I've got it sitting over here. Um, and, uh, you know, that whole idea of praying without ceasing, how do we pray without ceasing? And uh, for those of you who don't know, The Way of the Pilgrim is this beautiful little book, well worth you getting a devotional classic in Orthodox Christianity specifically, that follows the way of a pilgrim as he's exploring his spiritual life. And one of his spiritual teachers along the way encourages him to pray the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, and the practice within Orthodox spirituality, particularly amongst Orthodox monastics, is to pray that um, uh, continually through the day, and in particular by praying it around a prayer rope, um, which for monastics would usually have 150 knots, um, and, and pray that through. So, of course, that grew into an interest in other types of prayer with um, beads or knots, um, and it was interesting that the next form for me came along was what is known as um, Anglican or Christian or Protestant prayer beads, um, which are a, a, a formalized but very flexible way of prayer using a smaller rosary of about 33, it is 33 beads, um, which you can pray set prayers or create your own prayers to move around. Um, I'll be really honest and say that for a long time, I was very wary of the rosary, mm-hmm. particularly because of some of the Marian devotion that um, is connected to it. Um, and keeping in mind, I'm still a Protestant. I'm a Protestant monk. Um, 
you guys would call it the Episcopal Church over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm a, my community is actually based in the United States, and so it's connected to the Episcopal okay. Church there. So I'm still technically Protestant. Um, technically, I am. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was interesting. I, I had a wonderful meeting with um, another monastic, a Catholic monastic here where I live in Australia. I'm on the Gold Coast and up in the mountains in the hinterland, there's this monastery of uh, monks of St. Paul the First Hermit, um, which is an order that's been around uh, in Europe and other parts of the world for many years. I'd never heard of them before meeting them here. And their abbot there um, had I had a conversation about um, what Catholics really do believe um, about praying with saints and Mary and so on, uh, which shifted my view a little bit. And so I began to explore the rosary um, from there, and a, a friend of mine who was a Catholic, um, she used to meet me in the chapel at the school I was chaplain in at the time, and um, she was the headmaster's secretary, and we would pray the rosary together. Um, and it took me a little while to work out what the deal was, but once I realised what the rosary actually is, and obviously we'll get into this as we talk some more, it really started to take a really strong effect on my personal devotion and in particular my reflection on the life, death and ministry of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, which is what I think has made it so uh, important um, to my to being a part of my devotional practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I resonate with that because personally um, the Jesus prayer was probably the first contemplative uh, traditional contemplative prayer method that uh, drew me back into the Christian tradition in a mm. in a devotional and um, practice oriented way um, after you know a deconstruction and um, I have a small rosary here I ha- I've never uh, really done too much with rosary practice just because it's very intimidating so I typically. <laughs> I typically use uh, a mala, um, which is typically 108 beads or or smaller, like 27 beads. Um, But I use it to to pray the, you know, uh, John Main method of Christian meditation, um, the Maranatha or um, or even the Jesus prayer. Or sometimes I'll um, use more uh, Hindu mantras like Om Namah Shivaya or... um, or different mantras like that that uh, connect me to the divine um, in a in a way that's uh, really accessible and portable. And um, I read recently that that's a similar story with the rosary. That that's the origin, I guess, of the rosary. I'm not sure if that's if that's the case. But what I read was that um, initially it was developed as a way, you know, to pray without ceasing, like you said, but also for uh, illiterate members of the church that uh, could not pray the 150 psalms, obviously, because one, they probably didn't own the text, and two, they probably couldn't read it, even if they did own it. Um, And so that was a way that they were able to participate in the liturgy um, without necessarily having to to pray all 150 psalms. So they prayed the, the the our father, the Pater Noster, 
150 times and in a sort of devotional mantra like way. So, so that kind of like bridges the gap, I think for me, and that there's, there's so many different traditions that use this method of having a tactile, whether that's a knotted rope or a mala or a rosary or for our Muslim brothers and sisters, the tasbih, um, which incidentally, I'd love to get a Muslim on to talk about the tasbih um, because I do not feel qualified to, to speak <laughs> to that at all. But there's, there's so many ways of doing the same thing and it, it all it all is so similar in that it connects us with some kind of tactile physical element and connects us to the content of our religious tradition, but also helps us to transcend the the rational mind at the same time by giving it something to, to play with, I guess. And then we can rest uh, behind that, so to speak. So like for me, it feels like after so long that the mantra does itself. You know, you, you continue saying the uh, the Jesus prayer, and eventually the Jesus prayer is just going, and you're just there, present to it. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the history, of course, is so true, and it's important to remember. Uh, and you know, one of the things that really helped me in terms of embracing the Rosary is that you're right. Its its foundation started from the monastic days when uh, people who weren't um, monks were participating in the life and liturgy of the monastic community um, and if they couldn't participate in the reciting of the psalms they would recite the lord's prayer 150 times as the monks would recite the prayer the psalms through 150 times in the day um, but of course that predates um, the east-west schism and the protestant reformation and it's important to remember that this comes from the foundations of our christian tradition um, as well so yeah, I think first and foremost, we've got these traditions right across the world that have embraced some form of tactile, um, physical, tangible way of praying. But then within our own Christian tradition, this is not something that uh, flared up later. Um, you know, this is theirs or this is ours. It is Christian Christianity's mm -hmm. um, way and method. And sure, some things evolved over time. Um but, uh, but yeah, that's its foundations. Um, and I thought it was really interesting too in terms of that. Its foundations were about inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. It was about making sure that these people who couldn't read, didn't own the Psalter, um, could participate in the life of the liturgy in the uh, community in some way. I think there's something beautiful about that too. Yeah, absolutely. So for someone who knows nothing about the rosary, uh, who, who is not... Uh, cradle Catholic um, or, or a converted Catholic, but someone who knows nothing of the rosary, first of all, what is it? Well, it's a, it's a strand. I'll pick one up and talk about it so I can take focus here. But obviously it's a strand of beads um, <clears throat> with a cross at the end. Um, if, you've, if you're looking at one online or you've got one in your hand as I'm talking about this or listen to it later again, you'll notice that there are 10 beads um, in lots of five going around the outside and each of those ten which are called a decade are separated by a single bead called the Our Father, the, the, the Our Father bead. Now what's interesting about that is, is that when the rosary was evolving um, 
the uh, the saying of the Our Father 150 times came from that um, tradition we were talking about before. There was another tradition that um, was created, and this is also pre um, uh, any Catholic Protestant or East West division. Um, but the the saying of the, the Hail Mary ten times, five times a day, uh, was a tradition that the earliest rec- uh, thing we have of that is. Um, in uh, anchorites, uh, female abbess, uh, female anchorites in England, mm-hmm. uh, as part of their rule of life, were encouraged to do this, and it was those two things becoming enmeshed that created what we have in our rosary today. So that the number of the uh, Our Fathers was paired back to five, and that um, each saying of the Our Father was divided by saying the Hail Mary ten times. So you sort of mesh these two ideas together to get um, what's on there. And it was later on that St. Dominic of Prussia, not to be confused with the Dominic who started the Dominican um, monastic order, Um, uh, St. Dominic of Prussia um, started the practice of reflecting on an element of the life of Jesus um, before you said and just before and while you said the ten Hail Marys that came after that. Mm-hmm. And so that was around uh, the end of the 1400s and uh, that pretty much was the start of the, um, the, the rosary, which then has remained pretty much unchanged uh, pretty much ever since from about the 16th century onwards. Um, and so in terms of what one reflects on during the recitation of the Hail Marys, we have these things called mysteries. And so the, um, in, in praying the rosary, you would reflect on a certain, num- a certain uh, type of mystery each day and you would have five things that would happen um, in the life of Christ that you would reflect on as you were saying the coming decade. And so you would have the joyful mysteries, which look at the, um, the nativity story through to Jesus being found in the temple when he ran off from Mary and Joseph. Then you have what's called the sorrowful mysteries, which follows the passion. And then you have the glorious mysteries, which follows the uh, resurrection, ascension, Pentecost, and then could get problematic for people who aren't Catholic here, but um, the, 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 the assumption, sorry, of Mary and Mary being crowned as Queen of Heaven as part of the Glorious Mysteries. And then in 2002, I think it was, uh, Pope John Paul II also encouraged people to pick up what's known as the Luminous Mysteries or the Mysteries of Light, which were written by Father George, what was his last name, Pavalis, I think, who was a Maltese priest, um, who died in 1962 and was beatified in 2001 or something like that. And he had written these five uh, mysteries of the light, which focused on um, Jesus' ministry and where he showed himself being the light of the world. And so those five are, um, let me get this right, the the baptism of the Lord, um, the miracle at Cana, the declaring of the kingdom of God, the uh, transfiguration and Jesus initiating the Eucharist, uh, the Lord's Supper. Um, And so in each time you're praying through the rosary, 
you are literally reflecting on scripture that reflects the life uh, of Jesus back to us. Um, in fact, on the rosary audios that I made for Insight, um, following the declaration of each mystery, I, I actually do a reading uh, from scripture, which resonates back with that before moving on to the Hail Marys. And the idea is, is that like you were saying before, when you're um, reciting something over and over and over again, you tend to say it without necessarily having the thought processes go with it so your mind can be where it needs to be. And in the context of the rosary, as you're saying the Hail Marys, you're continuing to reflect on this particular aspect of the mystery. So say it's the Nativity of Christ, which is the third mystery and the joyful mysteries, then you would be reflecting on the Nativity of Jesus as you're praying those 10 Hail Marys um, through the course of the decade. And this is the part of the um, rosary that I've personally found incredibly powerful, uh, just reflecting on these elements of Jesus' life. In fact, most recently, um, I was really taken aback when I was reflecting on, during the Sorrowful Mysteries, um, the uh, first of the Sorrowful Mysteries is, uh, sorry, the second of the Sorrowful Mysteries is Jesus being scourged um, at, the, at the pillar. And uh, as I'm reflecting on that, um, it restarted to reflect back at me because um, I'm, I'm reflecting on it and I remember thinking at the time, you know, Jesus is being beaten for absolutely no reason here. He's done um, nothing wrong in a sense. The worst he's done is stir up the religious leaders of his time. Um, the government can find nothing wrong and yet Pilate still sends Jesus to be whipped even though he can find nothing wrong with this man. And what came out of that was this sense of, well, you know, Mark, how many times do you beat yourself up for no reason? Mm -hmm. um, and so there was this incredible um, uh, dual reflection that started to happen there where I was reflecting on the scripture, but the scripture was reflecting on me. Mm. Um, and it caused me to really stop and ponder that. So uh, it, it's, extremely powerful um, in this way, um, even when you're saying the Hail Marys. I mean, the first part of the Hail Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. I mean, the first part of that is um, what the angel said to Mary when he came to tell her that Mary was to be with child. The second part is the word that Elizabeth said to Mary when Mary went to visit Elizabeth and John the Baptist jumps in her own womb. Um, I mean, you're literally reciting scripture here and reflecting on scripture. Um, the bit that I think most Protestants may have trouble with um, would be the Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death part, um, the second part of the Hail Mary. Do you mind if I speak to that for a second? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because uh, this is an in incredibly powerful thing that um, this abbot um, that I was mentioning before at St. Paul the First Hermit's order um, that I met, uh, I was with somebody else when I met him the second time. And uh, this person asked the abbot, look, what is it with you Catholics and the whole, you know, praying to Mary and, you know, worshipping Mary and worshipping the saints and all this stuff? And the abbot's response was beautiful. And, and I'll, I'll share it because I, I, I hope that it could be something that's incredibly encouraging for other people who are of a, a Protestant nature who are uncertain about that. 
he said to us, he said, look, the first thing is, is that m what most people who aren't Catholic don't understand, and ironically what people who are Catholic don't understand, is that we technically do not worship Mary. We venerate Mary and the saints, but we do not worship them. Worship, worship is for God alone. And he was very, very strong about that. So that, he said, that's the first thing. He said, the second one is this. He said, when you were a teenager, um, what was on the walls of your bedroom? And we both said, well, you know, I had a picture of this pop singer and a picture of this actor and a picture of this sports person. And, and uh, he said, well, why did you have them there? And we said, well, you know, we, we appreciated what they did and they were inspiring to us or we, they encouraged us on what they did and we wanted to be like them. And then he said, now around your home at the moment, are there, do you have pictures on the walls? We said, yeah. And he said, of who? And he said, well, we said family, you know, friends, um, people that we love. Um, and occasionally you might be pictures of people that we aspire to be like or aspire to be, not as much as when we were kids, but certainly people that we love and that we want to remember and um, uh, people who have passed before and want to keep them in our mind. And then he said this extremely powerful. And he said, do you believe what's written in Hebrews chapter 12? He said, do you believe that there is a great cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on that we don't know how this works. They're not sitting up on a cloud or anything, but, you know, there is this sense of, well, if we are eternal beings, uh, is this sense that those beings are still with us somehow, encouraging us, inspiring us and moving us forward? And he said, of course. And he said, well, if you needed prayer, and you were in your home church or we're around some people or around some friends, would you ask them to pray for you? We said, yeah, absolutely. He said, okay, so can you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> he said, you know, we Catholics have pictures of saints and statues of saints not to worship them but to remind us of these people and their inspiration and the things that they did to aspire us to do great things in the world as well, to feed the poor and the hungry and to, to work with the sick and, and to, uh, you know, even in terms of people like St. Francis, you know, look after our, the creation that we've been placed in. Um, and he said that's why those things are there, not to worship but to inspire and encourage us. And then he said, and the reason why we ask the saints to pray for us is because we believe they are our family mm. and we believe that, there is a sense in which they are still with us here. So why would we not ask them to pray for us as much as we would somebody who is standing next to us in church? So there was something incredibly powerful about that, at least for me, to resonate and reflect on in terms of um, that sort of understanding of things in general, that, you know, it's not about worship. It's about being encouraged and inspired. But then also to reflect on the idea that, if I'm going to ask someone to pray for me, um, could it be just as true and right to ask somebody who has passed from living in the way that we do into some other way of being um, to be praying for us as well? Now, your listeners out there may agree with some of that and not agree with some of that, and, and that's okay. I'm, I'm not necessarily suggesting you have to take the abbot's words as granted. There are still some bits with that I personally and working through and struggling with, and that conversation happened, gosh, at least ten years, uh, yeah, eight, ten years ago now. Mm. Uh, but um, it certainly has changed the way that I understand uh, 
what these devotional tools and the rosary in particular are about and also how I um, live in this way of being and understanding the non-dualistic nature of um, existence and being um, and, and the hope for things to come. And in some ways that answers the question with um, those two of the glorious mysteries that some people might struggle with, the assumption of Mary to heaven and the crowning of um, Mary as queen of heaven. One commentator who was also Catholic, interestingly enough, um, said of those two mysteries that it's not about Mary as much as about reflecting on what it means for us. Of course, we will be assumed into God somehow, uh, all of us, and that all of us, you know, the scriptures say will receive a crown of glory, whatever that means in terms of what that looks like. Um, but, you know, it's not about um, necessarily lifting Mary to some place of priority um, beside or above Jesus, but it's about reflecting on those things in terms of who we are and and and, and what hope might hold for us um, in terms of the way we, we live that through. That really highlights the the modernist i think way of that a protestant might think of praying to the saints or asking the saints for prayer because we almost have like a modernist lens of like well they're not that you know they're gone they're not they're not here with us and that kind of highlights our anthropology and theology and and what we think the universe is which may not be what we think we think in a way, you know, if we were asked directly, like, do you think that these saints, you know, are with God now? And, you know, they've, they're in the great cloud of witnesses you'd say like, well, yeah, you know, Hebrews 12, whatever. But if you asked a general Protestant American, you know, what do they think about praying to the saints or asking the saints for prayer? They'd probably look at you or like you were, you know. What's interesting about that too, is that, um, I grew up in an Anglican context and then, um, well, sorry, Anglican Australia, Episcopal in the States. I know that there's a difference between Anglican and Episcopal in the US. Um, so I want to stress that because um, I know there are certain things that, yeah, some people have trouble with, with Anglicans in the US. So mm -hmm. Anglican, when I refer to Anglican in Australia, it's the same as the Episcopal uh, church, which, I mean, that could be problematic for some people too, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, I grew up um, Episcopal slash Anglican. Um, and then um, uh, I, I ended up, without going into it too much, but I ended up being in an evangelical church. And then I ended up being an evangelical Pentecostal church. And so my formative ministry days were both in evangelical and Pentecostal contexts, where, of course, um, even an Anglican Episcopal context was seen with some sort of suspicion. I mean, these were people who, you know, prayed from a book, you know, didn't pray from their own heart or it was vain repetition mm -hmm. uh, or whatever, you know. Um, and then, uh, again, uh, without going into it too much, ended up back in the Anglican uh, context, the Episcopal context. And the first thing I discovered when I pulled out a prayer book, having returned to my first day of um, ministry in that context, is that this prayer book is literally all scripture. So all this stuff as a Protestant where I've been saying, oh, these people need to go back to the Bible. Dude, they were praying verses from the Bible every time they opened their mouths when they were at church mm -hmm. every single week. 
um, and their cycle of, you know, the lectionary, you know, praying, uh, so re- the scriptures from the lectionary, you're going through the cycle of scripture every three years, you're reading through all the gospels um, and most of the Old Testament and the New Testament twice. Yeah. I mean, how more scriptural can you get? And so when you start to stumble across some of these ancient traditional forms of praying, like the prayer beads, like the chotki, um, uh, you know, even within you're talking within Christianity, of course, at the moment, but, you know, things like you know, labyrinths and centering prayer and meditation, um, you know, you start to realise, wow, maybe there was a lot of babies thrown out with bathwater mm-hmm. and that's... Um, you know, in terms of seeing, uh, you know, Christians really start to have um, their personal spiritual experience outflow into action. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much that these tools can provide for us um, to bring us to those places. I mean, again, going back to the rosary, the very fact that through the course of a week, so each of those mysteries, you would pray one particular mystery on each day. So, Monday, you pray joyful, Tuesday, sorrowful, Wednesday, glorious. In the modern context, Thursday would be the luminous mysteries. Friday, sorrowful again. Um, Saturday, um, joyful again. And then Sunday, if it's Lent, you play sorrowful. If it's Easter season, you pray glorious, an ordinary season. And if it's Advent and between Advent and Lent, you're praying joyful. I mean, you're every day reflecting on an element of the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, you cannot tell me that this is anything other than drawing us closer into the essence of of who this Christ is mm-hmm. in terms of what Jesus expressed and showed us what the Christ is through Jesus' earthly ministry yeah. and then who the Christ is now and how we can connect with the Christ um, and allow the life of that same Christ to be incarnate through us as we live out that um, ministry in the world. I mean, this is an incredibly powerful tool and you know when you hear i think it was pope one of the popes of, of modern times say something on the lines of the rosary is a weapon mm-hmm. well yeah i believe that um if 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 we're reflecting on the life of jesus in that way it's got to transform us yeah and um as we become more effective at living for love in the world mm-hmm. You know, when we're talking about a weapon, I'm not talking about a weapon that's destructive to humanity. I'm talking about a weapon that's destructive to the systems yeah. of the world that are so destructive. You know, this capitalistic system that wants to, you know, seem to make the poorer poorer and the richer richer. Mm-hmm. I mean, reflecting on the life of Jesus, if that allow, if we allow the Christ to live out through us in that way, man, it's going to make a difference for good in the world. It has to. Yeah, it really has to. Um, or if not so a, five, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, if not a weapon, then then a shield too. You know, yeah. <clears throat> the word mantra in in Buddhism means mind protecting, and it's it's a way for uh, us to take our mind and intellect and reason and all our faculties and pull them away from the grooves that we carve into bad habits and negative thinking and unloving ways of being and redirect them into loving and uh, truthfulness and right action and empathy and understanding. And, um, and so it's a, it's a redirecting. And so in that way, it's, it's a weapon towards 
separation and hostility, but it's mm. also a mm. shield for us against those things as well for for our own minds. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if you've done any study on this, but and I'm not a psychologist, by the way. I'll pre- prelude what I'm about to say with that. But um, you know, uh, I've read a lot of studies, particularly in recent days, where you know um, things like the rosary, praying mala. Um, and other forms of prayer with beads, um, psychology is saying this is a very powerful way of protecting ourselves and centering ourselves during times of anxiety and stress and depression and all sorts of things. Um, My good friend and brother, Brother Samuel Bruno, who is uh, a member of our community, uh, we have a contingent in the UK as well as the US and me in Australia, Um, uh, but Brother Samuel Bruno is in the UK, and he devised... um, during a time of depression for him, uh, depression and anxiety, um, a memento mori rosary. So each of the mysteries have been replaced with a reflection on death. Mm. Um, he was struggling with this anxiety that came with thinking, you know, knowing that he would die and he felt the best way to uh, approach that in consultation with a psychologist was to face it head on. And so he did that by creating this rosary where um, each uh, of the five stops through instead of praying a mystery, he would pray and reflect on scripture that um, uh, looks at uh, death and dying and 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 so on. And uh, he even created these, I know your viewers, our listeners can't see this, but I'll just show you. Uh, he created these beads, which are little skulls. Oh, that's uh, cool. So memento mori, you know, remember that you are going to die and being Benedictines, that's one of Benedict's um, uh, little things there. But, you know, just to, to use that, um, to, to pray through. And there are other mysteries that have been written, what we call them mysteries, but there are other, you know, contemplations and reflections that have been written, you know, five parts to reflect as you work through. Um, but, you know, the, you know, the psychology behind it, having something tangible to touch and move through slows us down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the breathing that we do when we breathe and pray a mantra like the Hail Mary or the Jesus Prayer or, or some other mantra, the breathing that comes with that, psychology saying this all can assist in helping us to slow and still and breathe and you know find our calm and our center in moments when we really need that so the idea of it being a shield uh, i think really speaks to that as well that's really powerful yeah yeah absolutely and the thing that seems at least about rosary practice at least to me that seems different is that because it's so content rich with the mysteries and the different prayers um there's there's a an extra element to it or extra suite of elements that to me is is kind of reminiscent of like a a tactile way of doing lectio divina or mm. a tactile way of uh ignatian contemplation because you can pray through the the mysteries and and reflect on them and uh, use them as a meditation, a meditatio, and then that can draw you into contemplation. And then, right. but you can also look at it from an Ignatian contemplation perspective where you're reflecting and actually putting yourself in that scene and connecting with it on a uh, almost subconscious, imaginal level beneath the the rational intellect and then those things like like you said come up where the the scripture reflects back at you and because you're letting your unconscious you know unload so to speak by by going beneath it 
in a way. Yeah. And in fact, you know, being Benedictine, you'd know that for, for me, one of my core practices is Lectio Divina. Um, and uh, you're absolutely right. When you're praying the rosary, it's like you're doing five Lectios yeah, <laughs> in yeah. 30 minutes. But because you're coming back to them uh, on a regular basis too, uh, there's always something deeper and richer um something that'll peak you that's a little bit different than the last time that you prayed through, um, you know, that particular decade and reflecting that mystery. Um, if, you're, if, if you're open to what spirit wants to say, spirit will always uh, show you what you need in that moment. And sometimes like that day, um, uh, the, the scourging at the pillar day, when I started to reflect on beating myself up, um, uh, like we all do at times, um, I mean, that was that was the strong thing that I brought away. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I could tell you that day what I had reflected on in terms of any of the other uh, mysteries mm-hmm. um, in the Sorrowfuls that day. Um, but that's kind of not the point. Mm-hmm. Um, the point is giving our hearts to the task and letting, allowing spirit to do what spirit needs to do with us in that moment, I think any spiritual discipline, whether it be prayer beads, walking labyrinth, centering prayer, lectio, uh, or anything else that, you, that happens to work for you, um, it's it's the practice that opens you up to reception and to listening. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um, that's the super important thing for anyone to remember. Yeah. Um, and it's it's got to be something that works for you because of that. Um, you know, I, I find that using beads uh, and praying Lectio in the daily office. I mean, that's why I'm Benedictine. If those things didn't um, work with me then and, and draw me closer to God, then I, I wouldn't be Benedictine. I would be something else, mm-hmm. um, whatever that would happen to be. Um, and it's really about people discovering what that thing is for them, what is, uh, and this is why I love what you do with, you know, exposing all these different types and styles for people to say, well, what's what's going to work for me and drawing me closer to spirit and mm-hmm. helping me to understand and to uh, come to that place of, you know, that unifying place with God. Um, and I think it's just finding the thing that resonates. And for many people, that whole idea of the tactile, the rhythmic, the moving through, the praying on each. Um, I mean, some people will find I, I love using all three types um, of, of, of beads. I use the rosary um, and the chotki more than the Anglican rosary. Um, but, uh, you know, my chotki and a rosary are with me everywhere mm-hmm. um, because I, I, it just happens to be the thing that in that moment, wherever I happen to me, draws me in, mm-hmm. um, centers me and helps me refocus on where God is and, and what God wants to do and, and open my ears to what it is that God would want to say, if anything, yeah. uh, in, in that moment. Yeah, incredibly powerful. Yeah, and I, I resonate with that too because I, I take my mala with me everywhere I go. It's, all, it's always in my pocket. And uh, even when I'm somewhere where I can't uh, actually, you know, practice mantra. Um, sometimes even just, you know, sticking my hand in my pocket and just touching touching them is enough to to 
bring you to that space because there's such a connection with that tactile sensation that, you know, you do it so often that it kind of forms like, like a groove, a new groove Mm. in your consciousness where, um, you don't even really have to, to do the practice itself. Sometimes all you need to do is touch, touch the piece and, and it takes you there. And sometimes not, sometimes not even that, sometimes the words just, you know, like start coming out, like in the way of the pilgrim, um, the prayer just keeps going and going and going. And then that's what I find when I run, um, obviously don't carry beads with me when I run. I don't like carrying anything when I run. I don't wear headphones. Um, I've got my garment on, that's it. But I'll find myself praying in, in time with my breathing and my steps, um, and I'm praying the Jesus prayer nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. It's the Jesus prayer that's just being prayed over and over and over again. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally get that. It, it's, it's interesting right now here in Australia, do you guys have that show Master Chef? Yeah. Over there? Yep. Okay. So um, we've got our Australian series here. And one of the chefs who's one of the judges, um, a little while ago, everyone started to notice that around his hand, he had, um, had, had these beads. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see them come out every now and then, or he'd be talking to somebody, he'd be doing this. And uh, an interviewer in some magazine asked him about it, and apparently they are some sort of mala or worry bead that he uses to help curb his anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, praying and using beads uh, as a tangible way of centering um, found its way into mainstream media, at least for 10 minutes uh, mm. over here in Australia. That's cool. Um, which, is, which is fantastic. And, you know, I, I hope that... Um, you know, while, you know, the spiritual aspect of these things, is, there's obviously importance to that. Uh, I hope that there are people who maybe will look and explore them um, for, and again, I, I do believe that in a roundabout way it is a spiritual thing, but the way that they can still uncenter us uh, and, and bring some peace, um, even if it's in the short term, um, for a moment, uh, just to stop and remember that, you know, be still and know. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that God is there. God is the I am in that moment with us. Yeah. I want to circle back to and, and just underline something you said earlier that I forgot to speak to, but that okay. the the veneration of Mary in in the in the Catholic tradition that even though it might be difficult for for Protestants and, and ultimately like you said, you know, do what works for you, but uh in my practice, I find that sometimes the things that are more difficult show me where I actually need to do the work. And and so for, especially for the Protestant tradition that has a big problem with uh, patriarchal characterizations of God and of uh, the Christian path altogether, veneration of uh, a woman can seem uh, kind of touchy for a lot of people. And... <laughs> You know, I'm not going to prescribe it for anyone, but at least for my own journey, where where I find that there's sticking points. When you get to a place that's sticky, that's where you should uh, place your attention and your energy because it's it's trying to tell you something. Where your where your resistance is, that's where the work is. Yeah, I really had no choice um, to deal with the Hail Mary part uh, because in my community. Um, each of the offices finishes with the Angelus. Um, so for those of you who don't know, the Angelus is basically um, sharing scriptures from um, 
the uh, Annunciation to Mary that she used to have Jesus um, interspersed with a Hail Mary. And so here we were praying um, the scripture interspersed with the Hail Mary. I had to deal with it really fast if I had a problem with this because this was <laughs> this. And, and I say that to say that, yeah, it did rub me for a while. I, I would be praying this Hail Mary part going, uh, yeah. Um, what's interesting, though, is, is that it was the scriptural part of Mary's story that brought me back to a place where I knew I could um, not just live with but embrace the fullness of the Hail Mary, even the second part, Holy Mary, Mother of God, uh, pray for us sinners now and the hour of our death. Um, and the bit that really did that for me was the second part of the Angelus, which is the reflection on the part of Scripture that says, um, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Um, and that be unto me. Um, I've got a, I have a whiteboard in my office where I write these brain farts that pop into my head when I'm in prayer and stuff. And one of them says, let it be done unto you. Uh, and that was an important thing for me to do to say, you know what, I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to let God do unto me what God needs to do mm. um, as I'm praying this. Um, so again, like you, I, I would yeah, say to anyone listening, well, yeah, not necessarily a prescription. Mm -hmm. It could be something important in what, um, what was just mentioned for someone. Uh, Angelus Celestius says Christ could be born a thousand times in Bethlehem, but all in vain until he's born in me. And so, I mean, that's, that's the aspiration. And, yes. and I think in, in Protestant culture where Jesus is venerated and worshiped almost um, in a way that's eternally separate, that's apart, that's very um, off in the clouds, very transcendent, very different from us, then it makes it so that we have less of a connection with the divine. And so, like I said, in that way, uh, veneration of Mary might be helpful as an aspiration because she is the one that Christ was born into. And so so if we can if we can emulate that in any way, then I think we're on the right track. Absolutely. And so many mystics have said the same, but you know, Christ is to be born in us and through us. Yeah. Uh, we are um, part of that incarnation of the Christ. Um, and uh, I, I, again, there would be some Christians who might struggle with that idea, but it's it's true. Um, Jesus said, greater things than these you will do in my name. And we only do them because of the presence of the Christ in us. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that, that idea that Christ can be born through us, yeah, that, that's, that's what, I mean, that's the story of Mary summed up so well. And the fact that she said yes, mm -hmm. just the very fact that she said, okay, be it unto me according to your word, yes. I mean, what would happen if we said yes when spirit prompted us to do or to step out uh, in some way as we went around our business in life and in community, you know, pay for that person's groceries or ask that homeless person if they want a sandwich or, um, hey, just go and sit with that person on the bus stop over there and they look sad. Mm. Um, you know, what if we took a chance and said, be it unto me according to your word 
and allowed Christ to be birthed through us in that way. That's that's really powerful, man. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, how do you recommend people get started with practicing the rosary, like in a practical way? Like if if you have no experience with it and you can't remember any of the mysteries or the prayers <laughs> or you know any of yeah. it. Well, that's that's true. Look, you said right up front, this can be really daunting, uh, and it can. And I think because it is, or, or comes across at least as being extremely formalized, it can be daunting. And the idea of what if I pray it the wrong way? Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, though, one of the things I felt I found very helpful was to go pray it alongside other people, mm-hmm. even if I was just sitting silent for a while. Um, so. Uh, what I did was is that, like I mentioned, that that friend of mine, Elaine, who uh, prayed the rosary with me in those early days, I literally said very little. Uh, I sat there with my beads and um, just watched her and listened as she prayed through the rosary and um, just followed along with her. And if you can find um, a Catholic church or something close to you that prays the rosary, um, that can be a real uh, good way to introduce yourself to it, to simply take a rosary along um, and sit and listen and to move through. And there will be people who will lead it. You don't have to say anything. Um, people will lead that uh, and um, you can just follow along with the beads and reflect and, and join in where you feel confident, be quiet where you don't. Uh, it's a great way to get to know it. If you don't have a place to go, I mean, there's, there's, um, I'm sure there, there are possibly others, but of course there's um, the four rosary reflections I have in my um, uh, Insight Timer uh, teacher page where you could just do it at home with, with your headphones in and um, just follow through that. Um, and, uh, and and move through the rosary that way and get to know it that way. Um, the liturgy for the rosary, you can get in a few places. Um, there is an app that I was using for a while called iRosary early on. Um, it's simply a rosary in an app form where you literally use your thumb on the screen uh, that's cool. to work through each of the beads. What's cool about that is there's a visual um, and it actually looks like that on the on the on the screen. So you got this the, on one side, you got the words, and on the other side, you have the bits of the rosary, and it sort of just keeps moving around like that as you flick the beads down. Mm. But um, the cool thing is, is that as you as you flick the beads, the prayer changes to the prayer that's on that bead. Mm-hmm. Um, so often that can be a cool way to get to know it a little bit too, and that's free um, o- online. Um, there are other apps too, like I use Universalist. Um, app when I'm on the road for the daily office, you know, it's in my phone then um, if I don't want to carry my breviary with me. And so there's a, an option to access the rosary in that as well. It's just the words mind, um, but it, I think it does in the rubric say, you know, move to the next beat and so on. So that can be helpful too. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get sort of the, the gist, once I sort of worked out, and it took me ages because no one had ever mentioned it, but once you sort of work out that the, you know, the glorious mysteries cover this part, the joyful this part, the luminous this part, it, it becomes a little bit easier to remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no necessarily any special words that you say on those. You simply pause, reflect on um, that particular mystery as you move through the next decade of Hail Mary's. But once you sort of get into the groove and the rhythm, um, it's actually a lot easier 
than you think. And the best advice that I can give is probably advice you've given and some of your other guests have given people on any of this stuff, and that's just get started. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to make mistakes because at the end of the day, God doesn't really care. (laughs) God cares more about the intent of the heart. What a relief. The success (laughs) of the action, you know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, And so... And the other thing I'd encourage too, particularly for those who aren't Catholic or who come from a Protestant background who are sort of a bit iffy, um, do take some time to reflect. You, if you still are uncomfortable with it, modify it slightly. I mean, the truth is, is that the original Hail Mary was simply the lines from Scripture. The second half of the Hail Mary wasn't added until the Council of Trent. So um, literally, technically, a traditional Hail Mary is Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Mm-hmm. move on do it again um so if you really are uncomfortable just leave it out um adapt um and and find something that works for you uh i'm sorry i'm sort of looking and playing with my beads as i'm reflecting on this and i'm thinking yeah it's it's, it's interesting how far you can come in a short time when you just take the the risk um, and go, yeah, I'm just going to do this mm-hmm. uh, and give it a try. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so, so please uh, access the, the audios that I have on Insight Timer and, and utilise those. Um, simply search, uh, I think, the Dummies mm-hmm. website. Um, right. Just look up Rosary on Dummies website. It'll give you a basic outline. It's, it's not a fantastic outline, but a basic one. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and and I'm very open. If if anyone wants to contact me um, via email or through the app or on um, uh, Instagram, um, I'm Monk in Docs at Instagram. Um, then please don't hesitate. I'm very happy um, to answer your questions or have a chat and to help you get started. Um, whether it's that or Chotki or you want to ask about the Anglican Rosary. Um, you know, these Christian methods of praying with bees, or I mean, even yours. I mean, I have a mala in there too, and I do the same thing. I actually play the Jesus prayer mm-hmm. uh, on the mala because I my, my chotki, I, I made a 33-knot chotki, um, and then I made a 50-knot one for a friend, uh, and I made another one. But, my gosh, tying those knots is so complex. <laughs> um, you literally weave them. So the only chotki I have here is a 50-knot chotki. Um, so if I want to go longer without having to go around the chalky twice, I'll often pull out the mala. The, the chalky too, it's it's um it's wool. Um, whereas the mala are the smoother stones and I don't know, I tactile thing. I just kind of like that a little bit better. So um, find a way to get started and get started is my best advice. Uh, but very happy to answer any questions anyone might have um, and to support them in, in getting going. Very yeah. happy to do that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm sure people will be reaching out to you. Yeah, well, this was awesome, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me about the rosary. And thank you for all the work you do and bringing your contemplative practices to the world through Instagram, through Insight Timer. And I'll put all your uh, your contact information in the show notes as well for everyone. Cool. Thank you. And yeah, very, um, as you know, um, send me a DM. I'll respond. Um, forgive me if it goes and if, if, um, we're not following back, it goes into the other folder and I often forget to look in there, but I will get to you. Um, and if you want to put my email in to the show notes as well, that, that will definitely come through. So I'm very happy to have those conversations with anyone 
um, it, it's it's a it's a pleasure and an honor to help people discover what works for them. Mm. Um, and 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 you know, for your show, my friend, um, that's doing that in in ways like this. Thank you uh, for what you give um, to people out there in terms of finding something and and continuing to learn about new ways. Uh, of engaging in in prayer and contemplative practice that's it's awesome yeah of course anything for other me's right <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely all right mark well thank you again and uh take care thank you very much man god bless you